This episode, doing the research for it, brought back so many memories of working in theme parks. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, I was watching through all these YouTube videos, and then the related videos would be like, what happened to the theme park that I worked at? And like, why is it going downhill? And then I'm like, I have to watch that also. <laughs> And it's like the same people who do all this behind the scenes in-depth theme park videos, which it's a whole thing on YouTube. Dude, that's a whole industry in itself. Absolutely. Like there's guys that used to like break into like different parts of the theme park. So going and seeing these same people who've delivered this hard hitting theme park news, diving into Christian theme parks was just mildly hilarious for me. It actually reminded me of something I... I had nearly forgotten when I was moving from San Francisco to Chicago back in 2021, I actually stopped at an evangelical theme park along the way. I went to the Precious Moments Chapel. That sounds terrifying. So for our listeners who don't know, Precious Moments is... Surely they know. Everybody knows Precious Moments. Not everyone knows Precious Moments. So Precious Moments are these weird-ass dolls that, like, your grandparents collect. Well, actually, your grandparents buy them for you to collect, but they're not something that any child wants. They're little six-inch porcelain dolls that just sit on a shelf, and they're not all Christian. Some of them are just cutesy bullshit it's like 50 50 what does a theme park for this look like or is it more of like a walk through outdoor museum um it's both they have giant statues of the figurines like in an outdoor walkway situation which is novel because the ones you buy are so small for like 50 bucks like they're expensive yeah they are not cheap and uh they have a precious moments store there the biggest in the world and they sell every precious moments thing you can imagine and there's a precious moments food court which was actually closed when i was there because it was like the tail end of the pandemic but the real attraction is a scaled replica of the sistine chapel reimagined with precious moments characters kind of terrifying there's also a little chapel that's dedicated to dead children it's quite a place and it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. There's no way you just happen upon it. I drove way out of my way. Where is it? Missouri, somewhere. Totally worth it, though. Yeah. Oh, man. I have so many theme park stories that I'm going to randomly bring up and make this whole thing about me. I'm sorry. What I meant to say was I'm so excited to talk about this. The presence of the devil is very The world is the worst that it has ever been. I am the enemy of your soul. I am the Hello everyone and welcome to How Gay Thou Art, a comedy podcast about growing up queer, Christian, and hella confused. My name is Clint Keller, he him. I'm Jay Austin, they them, and today we're talking about the wonderful world of Christian theme parks. Although it feels a little bit self-explanatory, I guess we should define it. They're theme parks run by evangelicals. They generally do not have rides. There are a few small exceptions to this, but for the most part, they're just biblically themed parks. Yes. See, they are operating under the definition of a theme park. 
You know, see, when I moved to Florida to first work in theme parks, I was excited because I love roller coasters and I grew up going to Six Flags. And then I found out that what I grew up going to were amusement parks because I got really let down when I went to like Disney and Universal. And I'm like, there's only like two roller coasters here that are even like good. The rest of them, like they're just themed rides. And my friends were like, yeah, because those are theme parks, not amusement parks. And I'm like, well, they're fucking boring. Yeah. I guess I've never considered that distinction, but I do think it's an important one to make here because while these parks are themed, I would not call them amusing per se. I think only one of the theme parks we even look at has rides. Well, one has a water park, but that's a little different. I don't feel like a water park is a ride. I watched a video. It must have been like a ribbon cutting ceremony or something. And this man, I think it's Jerry Falwell, is in a full ass business suit. And he goes down the water slide because he didn't want to wear a swimsuit for this press thing. And he's just lands in the water full business suit so it wasn't a ribbon cutting exactly it was more of a kept promise so after Fallwell took over the PTL network for reasons we're going to get into later he hosted a telethon to try to wipe out PTL's 20 million dollar debt and he promised that if they reached their goal he would go down the infamous Heritage USA water slide in his Sunday best and it's Easily one of the most iconic images from the world of evangelical theme parks. (laughs) So these things have a surprisingly long history that I did not entirely expect. Bro, there's murder. There's tax fraud. Extensive tax fraud. They're, They're built on tax fraud. Now, the oldest evangelical attraction in America dates all the way back to 1874. A model of Palestine was built in Chautauqua, New York. Then a few years later, in 1904, the St. Louis World's Fair had a replica of Ottoman-era Jerusalem that covered 11 acres. Ottoman-era? Why Ottoman-era Jerusalem? Well, because it was 1904. I know. I just would have expected it to still be like Christian-centric. I mean, it was still the Holy Land, but Israel as a country didn't exist yet. You know what? That's true. And it's the World's Fair. And I shouldn't uh, shouldn't be uh, Abrahamic religion centric. You're so Abraham centric. Look, I'm, I'm trying here. But after that, Christian roadside attractions kind of exploded in the early 20th century. They popped up everywhere, 50 of them at least, including a drive through Bible Garden, a Book of Job Park. The Golgotha Fun Park, which is my personal favorite in Kentucky, which I have been to. Why is it called? Okay, so for people not raised in Christianity, what you need to know is that Golgotha is like, it's the place where Jesus was crucified, like murdered. It's basically just called like Murder Fun Park. Yeah, it translates to Place of the Skull. I think, which is objectively hilarious, and I don't know what the thought process behind naming this place was. It never really made a lot of sense to me. I mean, it's it's just, it's a putt-putt course. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The front nine is the Old Testament, and the back nine is the New Testament. (gasps) Putt-putt through the Bible. They feel like 
parodies. You know, like it it feels like there's no self-awareness. It's in Cave City, Kentucky, which is where the Mammoth Cave National Park is located. And that's why there's a lot of kitschy little stuff there. But most of it's gone out of business at this point. They'd be building Christian parks next to real science parks to give people legitimacy. The Noah's Ark out in Kentucky is right next to a big fossil thing. The shitty creation museum that I went on a field trip to and all we did was watch a VHS and they didn't have any evidence or anything in the museum except for a statue of the world's tallest man. That is right next to where you can go swim in dinosaur footprints because it's like a lake, but the footprints are underneath. Well, when I was there a couple of years ago, I was producing a reality show pilot and one of the stops was Cave City. So we went up to the Golgotha Fun Park. It's closed now. So it was the ruins of the Golgotha Fun Park. And the other thing in Cave City that's somewhat noteworthy is this place where you can buy giant lawn ornaments. Like people come from miles around to buy these things. Big granite lawn ornaments of all kinds of crazy shit. Anything you can imagine. Dragons and people and Bigfoot. Anything you can imagine. Dragons. Did you do that on purpose? I did not. And I hate that it happened. (laughs) But a lot of the decorations at Golgotha Fun Park came from this lawn ornament place. And not all of them are biblical. I spotted at least one elf and at least one dude in lederhosen on the golf course. I really want to bring some golf balls and go at this course. Well, that would be some expert level putt-putting because, you know, the course is completely fucked up. It's been closed for years. But I don't think anybody would stop you because uh, we didn't see a goddamn soul and we hung out there all afternoon. But while we're talking about stupid little attractions, it's worth mentioning the Christian Wax Museums. There used to be three One in South America, one in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, close to where I grew up. And then the third is called Bible Walk, and it's the last one that's still open. They're on the brink of closing. But they were in the news a couple years ago because they don't actually make their wax figurines. They just buy old celebrity wax models and put them in Bible costumes. So there's like a Tom Cruise Jesus. There's a Prince Charles Abel. Okay. They they really didn't bother making any changes. They just threw a fucking robe and sandals on them. Good to go. Couldn't have heated up a knife to change the cheekbone structure. Like, it's whack. And of course, it's white Jesus. Use Tom Cruise. I think we could probably go ahead and put a blanket across all of this and say that every Jesus we'll be referring to in relation to these theme parks is white. But they're throwbacks to ancient Jerusalem, so you'd think there would be brown people, but whatever. So there have been tons of little kitschy Christian things around the country through the years, but the first one you could call a legitimate theme park is called Holy Land USA in Waterbury, Connecticut. And now, when we say theme park, you've got to realize that back in the day, a lot of theme parks were not roller coasters. They were gardens that you could stroll through. And if there's a Ferris wheel, like that counts as a theme park. Like this is what we're talking about when we're talking about these early theme parks. Yeah, lots of wax figures, animatronics, dioramas. They did plays. So in the 1950s, a man named John Baptist Greco, a staunch Roman Catholic. Really? What gave it away? uh, He had a vision of a roadside theme park devoted to God. And by the end of the decade, 1959, 
he had built it, a theme park that replicated a miniature Bethlehem. And he actually seemed to be a pretty decent guy. Everybody spoke very highly of him. He was inclusive, which is not something we can say about most of these parks. The majority of them are like run by complete shitbags. But this guy, he seemed okay. By the 1960s, they were getting 50,000 people a year. They expanded to include a recreation of the Garden of Eden, Bible dioramas, all kinds of tributes to Jesus's life and work. The big thing that everybody knew it for, though, was a giant Hollywood-style sign on the side of the hill that said, Holy Land USA, with a 56-foot steel cross towering behind it. And it lit up at night. You could see it for miles. And I feel like the giant cross thing is pretty common. Like, when we would go on road trips, we'd always be like, look, there's a cross on that mountain kind of thing. The people who grew up there tell this joke that they grew up thinking that Jesus was electrocuted on the cross instead of crucified. (laughs) Makes sense. It did pretty well as a business. They cruised along for several years, but then in 1984, John Baptist Greco closed it down for the season to do some renovations, but then he died in 1986, so it fell into disrepair. No one else really cared about it uh, enough to keep it up. It was really his passion project. And so it didn't reopen again until 2014, actually, when some people in the community worked out the rights to buy it and fix it up. They had an inaugural mass there for the first time in almost 30 years. And um, now it's open to the public again. But it's more of like a historical site now, right? Like now it's honoring Holy Land USA as a theme park instead of the actual Holy Land it originally tried to mimic, which is kind of a common theme among these things. To characterize what this park is, because I watched someone do like a walkthrough of it. It, it kind of is just miniatures, like a garden scale version of what he imagines Jerusalem to be, but made out of just a bunch of limestone. And plaster, lots of plaster. Yeah, it's like it's plaster and limestone and like people might have acted out scenes and stuff here back in the day and like dressed up. Yeah, this park was very modest compared to what we'll see later in the episode, but it was a pretty big deal at the time. It was also the site of a murder. Yeah, so they redid the cross in 2008 and then in 2010, a 16-year-old girl was sexually assaulted and murdered, sorry. Uh, by a 19-year-old at the park. And right underneath the large lit cross that now had LEDs in it, um, he was charged with felony, murder, sexual assault, strangulation. Really fucked, actually. (laughs) He ended up getting 55 years in prison. This would be a pretty wild place to be murdered, though. Like, it has a sort of a cinematic vibe to it. Yeah, murder me at Holy Land USA. I wonder if it's haunted now i mean it said abandoned for years so it was rumored to be haunted even before the murder that's probably why he did the murder there yeah absolutely but now it's definitely haunted all right the next stop on our cross-country christian road trip is eureka springs arkansas for a place called the great passion play but don't let the name fool you it's way more than a mere play so Arkansas and Missouri, they are the place for Christian actors. If I remember correctly, 
the great passion play is not like a hell house, but like it does have like little vignettes of Jesus's life and like people acting it out. Similar, but different from Holy Land USA. We'll talk about the history of it in a second. But yeah, the main attraction is the play. They have this huge 4,000 seat outdoor amphitheater. There's a cast of 170 people. And they do this play like twice a day, year round, all the fucking time. But they have a lot of other shit, too. Is it still open? It is still open. And in fact, you can do VR tours of the entire property from home now if you can't make it out to Arkansas yourself. I have an Oculus. Then you got to do it. Just me and the Oculus just hanging out at the Great Passion Play in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Beyond the play, they have their own Holy Land replica, of course. They have a full-size replica of the East Jerusalem Gate. There's a marketplace. They have a tabernacle in the wilderness thing that they take up and down, like the old school Moses Tabernacles. Um, there's a Bethlehem Inn, an upper room, a garden tomb, but then they also have like some really weird shit, like an actual section of the Berlin Wall. What? Well, it has Psalm 23 spray painted on it, but other than that, I have no idea why it's there. They also have an Israeli bomb shelter. What? Why, why Israeli? Why bomb shelter? Why? I So many questions. Can you explain? It's unclear exactly why. It was gifted to them by Israel, apparently. It's one of two missile shelters that have been delivered to the U.S. from Israel. One is here, and one is at the Gospel Station Network headquarters in Oklahoma, presumably to shield them from some sort of persecution or attack is the way that it felt framed up on the website, but I I really don't know. It's not clear. But there are a bunch of pictures of kids playing on it on their website, so, uh, you know, get your picture in the Israeli bomb shelter while you're at the Great Passion Play Park. They also have a Bible museum and a sacred art museum, a quote-unquote history museum, And they have several people doing demonstrations, kind of like those old-timey parks, you know, where you can go watch people make butter and candles and shit. It's like that, but with shepherds and potters. And, of course, let's not glaze over the best part, the Great Hall Buffet, an all-you-can-eat salad bar, hot vegetable bar, meat bar, dessert bar, four entree selections, including chicken and ribs. You just got to decide if you want the Adam ribs or the Eve ribs. The Adam ribs being the smaller portion, of course. Bro, I really thought we would like try to count our ribs and... Oh, yeah, same. We all thought that men had less ribs than women growing up. The history of this place is kind of interesting. So in the 1960s, it was originally called the Sacred Projects, and it was the brainchild of a Mr. Gerald L. K. Smith. He was an aging right-wing radio evangelist who openly hated black people and Jewish people even more. And he frequently insisted on his radio program that Jesus was not Jewish, but that Presidents Roosevelt, Truman, and Eisenhower were, all of which is incorrect, of course. But um, anyway, he wanted to build this next to his home in Southern California originally, but he was worried about being overshadowed by secular attractions like Disneyland. So he built it near his summer home. Of course, he had a summer home in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And by the time he died in 1976, Eureka Springs had become the most popular tourist destination in Arkansas, largely due to the Great Passion Play Park. Wild. 
Things are a little different these days, though. Since he died, different people have taken control of the park through the years, and it doesn't seem quite so bigoted anymore. And the town of Eureka Springs itself is actually pretty cool. It's um, it's a pretty popular destination, vacation destination among the gay community in the South and around that area. And uh, Gerald Smith would no doubt have hated what it's become today, and that makes me very happy. Amazing. Truly terrifying. Uh, but uh, now I have to go. Now let's talk about the main attraction, the most famous evangelical park of them all, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker's Heritage USA. And is probably the one that they based the theme park off of in Righteous Gemstones. Oh, uh, I mean, 100%. The gemstones are based directly on the bakers and their PTL network. That stands for Praise the Lord, by the way. Praise the Lord. Heritage USA was located in Charlotte, North Carolina. It opened in 1978, and by 1986, it was attracting 6 million visitors annually and employing 2,500 people. It was the third largest park by attendance in the world behind only Disney World and Disneyland. Wow. Was Heritage USA profitable? Like out of out of all the theme parks, like it might have been one of the only ones that made any sort of money? Well, Heritage USA definitely could have made money. Wow. But unfortunately, Jim and Tammy Faye were laundering all that park money into their personal bank accounts. Got it. Which is the reason that Jim ended up going to prison, but we'll get into that in a second. At its peak, when it was earning $126 million a year, the IRS revoked its tax exemption status. So that's a win. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Now, I don't want to get too deep into this Jim Baker scandal. I'm sure lots of people already know about it. It was a very big deal at the time. But just for a little bit of context, in 1987, the Charlotte Observer broke a big story and they were able to prove rumors that had been circulating a long time about Jim Baker having sex with this woman named Jessica Hahn. And there were a lot of icky power dynamics involved and allegedly date rape drugs and it was a very bad situation. And more than that, he had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of the PTL Network's money to buy her silence through the years, uh, up until the story broke. No surprise, when this all came out, the park attendants nosedived. Um, you know, the bakers lost any semblance of spiritual or moral high ground. So, a few weeks later, the bakers stepped down from the PTL, Jerry Falwell takes over, of course, and that's when the water slide PR stunt thing happens. But this scandal opens up a whole can of worms. The Bakers come under IRS investigation, and in 1988, Jim is indicted on 24 charges related to the financial dealings of PTL, including 15 counts of wire fraud, 8 counts of mail fraud, and 1 count of conspiracy. He was convicted on all of them, but only ended up spending a couple years in prison. Oh man, I was hoping he was still there. <laughs> But in 1989, Hurricane Hugo came through, damaged a lot of the buildings at Heritage USA, and that was pretty much curtains for the park. They didn't even try to fix it up. And shortly after that, Jerry Falwell filed Chapter 11, and the park closed with debts totaling over $72 million. 
Heritage USA getting ruined by a hurricane is hilarious considering they call those acts of God in legalese. And if that happened to somebody else, it's exactly something that fucking Jerry Falwell would have said is a product of their sins. Right, right. Because New Orleans getting hit by a hurricane was, but Holy Land USA, no, 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 no. Okay, so that's the history, but let's talk a bit about the experience of the park because that's the really, that's the interesting part. So like we said, it opened in 1978 and this is during the rise of the religious right in America, largely led by people like Falwell and the Bakers. And at 2,300 acres, this place was nothing short of a monument to this opulent American prosperity gospel that was taking off at the time. Christians want to have a place to take their kids to. They don't want to support Disney. Gotta do a Christian theme park. Yeah, but regardless of how they marketed themselves, I wouldn't call this a strictly Christian theme park. It was a 50-50 split between Christian theme park and imagined American nostalgia theme park. Like, it's called Heritage USA. It sounds like Jesus was an american and mormons would have loved it but it's not mormon dude if they built something like this in salt lake city though it would absolutely take off right like other christian theme parks heritage usa did have recreations of biblical locations like jerusalem but i would say that the main vibe of the park was americana Like there was a Fort Heritage, there was a stylized Main Street full of like, you know, pastel restaurants and old timey shops. And, you know, things like this aren't unique to Heritage USA. Even Disney has a similar thing, right? They've got Main Street USA. But the way they fused American symbolism and nostalgia with their particular version of conservative Pentecostal Christianity in a theme park setting is definitely unique and it also subtly implied and tied in this idea that america is in national decline and you know this belief is fundamental to the religious right in this country it was just kind of low-key demonstrating that uh, what america could be like if we return to our christian values right this main street at heritage usa could be your hometown if it wasn't for the atheists and the liberals and whatnot but another fun feature of heritage usa is that it's the only theme park I know of where they would ask you to work while you were on vacation. What? So people would pay to go to this park, pay to stay there, and then they would also volunteer their time working at the park or in the call center because all of their TV studios were there too, right? And that was a big draw in itself. They were broadcasting 24 hours a day, and a lot of the shows had live audiences, so you could prices write it up while you were there they have a baby billy's bible bunkers (laughs) they absolutely did do stuff like that for sure so let's let's talk about the rides yes please well not really rides but attractions the big thing was the heritage island water park they added that in 86 it had at the time the largest wave pool in the world in a 52 foot water slide that's the one jerry falwell slid down they have billy graham's childhood home there they physically moved it to heritage usa they just picked it up and shipped a house Uh uh-huh they built a king's castle 
which was supposed to be some sort of ancient castle replica. But the interesting thing about the King's Castle is that Jim Baker originally intended for it to be the world's largest Wendy's restaurant. Uh, what? Does he own have shares in Wendy's? Like what? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the origin of this or why he wanted it to be the world's largest Wendy's restaurant. Maybe he owned stock. Maybe he just liked the burgers. Maybe he was friends with Dave. I don't know. If anybody listening knows, please tell us. They also had a 400 space campground, conference facilities, a skating rink, a Bible school for adults. Reminds me of Hillsong. Minus the theme park, you've just described Hillsong's campus in Australia. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not, not that far off. And a lot of retirees would buy condos at the park and just live there all the time because they wanted to be as close as possible to the Baker's ministry. Well, I mean, that's a thing. Like, the retirees at the Disney parks, like, there will be occasionally, like, once a year, they'll feature... Like an article of, oh, Lois and Elrod go and walk through the park every single day. It's how they get their walk in. And I'm just imagining some old Christian couple walking through Heritage USA. Great old American values of America first, Jesus second. I mean. Oh, no, no, no. You, you got the order right. Interestingly, the park itself was central to the fraud case against Jim Baker in the end. <laughs> Had it not been for Heritage USA, he probably wouldn't have gotten convicted on all that stuff. Yeah, but that's where all the money was that he was funneling. So during the investigation, it was discovered that the Bakers had raised more than double the money needed to complete the hotel for which they were holding telethons. This was money donated specifically to build the hotel, but it had mostly been diverted to other things like bonuses for the bakers and board members and stuff. And if you were a supporter, you could give $1,000 on the telethon towards the hotel. In exchange, you got four free nights per year to stay at the hotel. So every year you could go spend four nights there for free, all for this one-time $1,000 donation, which not a terrible deal if it's somewhere you plan on going a lot. But they sold so many of those packages that it would be literally physically impossible for them to accommodate all of the people who had been promised rooms. Even if they only housed donors in this entire hotel, there still would not be enough room to accommodate them each spending four nights a year there. That's how many of these things they fucking sold. It was never going to work. It's a timeshare. Yeah, but there wasn't enough time to share. Yeah, exactly. It's But we get the money. You get... Eh. 165,000 people donated $1,000 each to this hotel, and it never got completed. That is $165 million. Jesus. And then, years later... When they file bankruptcy, all the donors got some sort of compensation, right, as part of the settlement. Guess how much money they ended up getting back? $500. $6.54. That's how them class action lawsuits go after all the legal fees. I got my $7 from the Equifax breach the other day. <laughs> I mean, but think about this. 165,000 people. How many rooms does the average hotel have? Like a few hundred? I feel Big ones have maybe a thousand? It's crazy. 
They could have built two hotels. They raised the money to build two hotels. Well, it was technically two towers. And then the hurricane struck them down. <laughs> Mostly. The, the ruins are still there. And since its closure, a lot of parts of Heritage USA have been cannibalized, largely by Christian organizations. The main hotel that did get finished is now the headquarters of Morningstar Ministries, which is, they're into all kinds of crazy shit, like faith healing and prophecy and stuff. Goodness, yes, I'm very familiar with Morningstar. That's where John Mark McMillan was. The guy who wrote How He Loves is from Morningstar. Oh, really? I did not realize that. The Billy Graham house is open again. Somebody bought it and turned it into an ice cream parlor slash museum. But all the people who've bought pieces of the park to open new stuff are pissed because the shambles of the old park is are, they're still there like there's just rotting decrepit buildings in the background of anything people try to do in that area i was just making sure that how he loves was written by john mark mcmillan so we didn't have to delete that soundbite well jokes on you i was gonna delete it anyway yeah sometimes i think i make great content like when i talked about how all the all of the christians be rapture in themselves and then you went with the burger king in hidalgo and you know what there was a burger king it just was in a kid in aladdin's palace it's a very different movie but there were they were racing to the burger king on the back of camels okay that's true that's true it was not entirely a fever dream like i had assumed there was some basis in reality i will give you that anything else about here did you say no i just think it's wild the fraud the everything it is exactly what i would expect from a christian theme park i mean the the entire thing was just a money-making fraud scheme which like most of this the things we cover on this show i just i squint at sometimes i mean yeah we cover a lot of questionable stuff but this one was just transparently fraudulent there's no reverence you're turning a religion into an amusement park it's amazing the hold they had on people though i mean the bakers were absolute international superstars and it's still one of the most consequential falls from grace ever yeah them swagger there were yeah yeah but swagger didn't have a fucking theme park that's true he was a con man for sure but he was a large-scale 165 billion dollar fraudster like the bakers he fired my ex's parents both of them while they were pregnant with my ex on christmas eve well you know who else didn't have a home on christmas eve jay jesus and look how well that turned out for everybody except him <laughs> Let's talk about your old home turf. Yeah, so um, Holy Land Experience is a theme park in Orlando, Florida. It's just off of I-4, just like all the other theme parks are. It opened in 2001, and it didn't make it through the pandemic, though. The pandemic was really rough on Christian theme parks. Yeah, it closed March of 2020, which, like, honestly, good. But the pandemic was just hard on theme parks in general like aside from disney that could stay yeah pandemic hard on theme parks so holy land experience 
was basically a recreation of biblical Jerusalem. It was registered as a nonprofit corporation. The theme park recreated architecture and themes from ancient city of Jerusalem and first century Judea and originally started by this one guy, Marvin Rosenthal. He was a Jewish convert and ordained Baptist minister who called himself a Christian Hebrew. Get the fuck out of here, Marvin. And... (laughs) And then it eventually was bought by the Trinity Broadcasting Network, which is another Christian televangelist network. Well, it's the largest of all time and still very successful, unlike BTL, which does not exist anymore. And it kind of became the, what's her name? Is it Jan? Uh, The Crouches. Yeah, Jan Crouch and Paul Crouch. Yeah, so this, it became like Jan Crouch's pet project where she was like, come on down to the Holy Land experience and all this stuff. Come on down, get the kids to the car truck come on down to holiday experience but no like that's literally like i watched videos where she was doing that and the videos that i was watching i almost thought they were gonna say that there was a scandal with her and the guy who plays jesus because like every video she's just like all over him like oh yeah our Jesus got fired and then... I mean, what self-respecting evangelical woman wouldn't be all over Jesus? I swear to God, if if we find out that she had an affair with... Like, that's what I thought the guy was going to say next. And he never did. And I'm just like, these... It's definitely what happened in my head, Canon. Absolutely. You know, the same people who designed Universal's Islands of Adventure also designed the Holy Land experience. That doesn't surprise me because there's like a million groups in Florida that all work in prop fabrication and ride design and stuff like that. And like the same groups that designed Universal's Halloween Horror Nights or whatever would also design Bush Gardens. You know, I bet some of the people who work on like the Halloween exhibits at other theme parks help design all of those blood mechanics for Jesus at Holy Land. Oh, absolutely. Do you think that they got like the blood smell? I don't know. I mean, it it crossed my mind because I feel like the crucifixion probably smelled really bad, right? I mean, those people on the crosses were definitely pissing and shitting themselves. But I don't know if a theme park would go to the lengths of buying the scents and spraying down piss and shit and blood smell all over the cross every day. Maybe they had one of those glade things that people put in their bathrooms that always scare the shit out of me. Like, I'll like be in a public bathroom and it's like silent. And then there's this right behind me. It gets me every time. I have one of those in my kitchen and I completely forgot about it. And then one day uh i look up to see like mist coming out and i'm like what is that and i'm like oh my sister gave me one of those like months ago i just thought that was like the sound of the pipes or something uh okay what else to say about this sorry yeah so the holy land experience i will say has some of the snarkiest articles i have ever read from a news source about them yeah they didn't put these out just to be clear these are articles written about them it'll be like go get your free tax day you've earned it we all pay for this thing because they don't pay taxes so go get your free admission a year every single like there was an article in like the washington post and orlando weekly and they're just they're so snarky and it was it was some of my favorite research that we've done they should be snarky (laughs) It's such bullshit. It's a theme park. It's an attraction. 
it should never have been tax exempt. They're characters people are paying to see, just like at fucking Disney or Universal or whatever. But we have uh, old Jeb Bush to think for all that. Well, okay, so I think we should tell the history and then get into the Jeb stuff because the Jeb stuff's wild. They changed the laws for this park. Sure, we can. Let's wrap up the history first. So in 2007, Trinity bought the park outright. And it had been open for about six years at that point. And it wasn't making any money. It was not. Um, Trinity paid $37 million for it, and it was $8 million in debt when they bought it, which is just insane. You could see it from I-4. It's a great location. So even if they're just buying it for the land, they could sell it later. Like, it's just equity, baby. Which is exactly what they ended up having to do. They originally wanted to build a broadcasting facility and movie studio there to like make Christian movies but none of that ever came to fruition unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you look at it TBN really ramped the park up though like they built a ton of new shit they added new exhibits new shops shows restaurants and that's when you also start getting the particularly kitschy stuff like their ridiculous food menus they had a goliath burger and you could get a meal of loaves and fishes all kinds of stupid shit very very on the nose yeah the goliath burger and it's like a quarter or like a half pound burger or something as opposed to the normal quarter pounders yeah no i saw that and this is why i'm saying christian themed rides would be like wild like a jonah and the whale themed ride where you're just like going on the loop-de-loops inside the whale belly or something i was actually thinking jonah would make a good log flume i could see that i could see that i feel like that could be a parting of the red sea moment too oh yeah with like all the water dyed red yes you just come down and there's just like a big splash and like the the wave parts and you're free it like starts out in a giant pyramid and then you slide down the pyramid and then exactly it would be like uh, escape from pompeii at bush gardens williamsburg my god that would be that would be a great ride dude yeah it'd be like the mummy but like christian and knockoff and kind of bad but like yeah clint we should make a christian theme park <laughs> That should be our next venture for sure. You know, when I first started researching all this, I was kind of under the assumption that they didn't do rides because that would detract from the gospel message. Yeah, you can't have fun. But then I got into it. And it's like, oh, this is all just kitschy, exploitive bullshit anyway. Like the rides would not have been any more ridiculous or disrespectful to the bible than what they were already doing yeah i guess it was just a money thing i mean rides are very expensive i watched a theme park employee talk about how even though he was a pastor as well as a theme park employee that anytime a theme park would do like a christian night it would always be the rudest most terrible people compared to the rest of the year oh my god worst crowd ever i didn't even think about that but anyway in 2021 the property sold to advent health they're going to redevelop it into a hospital and office complex. Oh, they're actually going to help people with the land. Yeah, and they they demolished it just this year in 2023. The final Holy Land building went down just a few weeks ago, so it's all gone. I never went to Holy Land. I wanted to go because 
once a year they do a free park day. By law. It's legally mandated so they can keep their tax exempt status. One free day a year to not pay taxes ever. I mean, what a what a bargain. And they don't publicize it until one year when it got out. <laughs> And they completely stopped traffic on I-4. I think like 7,000 people showed up and they had to pass out vouchers that said, just because you wanted to come today and couldn't, here's a voucher to get in free later. My friend didn't tell me about like the tax exempt status. So when I lived in Orlando, they just told me that it was because too many people would get, they didn't want to tell people about it because too many people would like get rowdy and get drunk and high and go into the Holy Land and they didn't want people to know about that. I mean, if it were free, I would absolutely eat some shrooms and go to the Holy Land experience. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Worst trip ever. You wanna you wanna tell us why they had a legally mandated free day? Absolutely. So in 2001, Orange County refused their first tax exemption request. As they should have. I mean, it's the theme park capital of the world. This was just another theme park, but In 2005, a conservative judge ruled in favor of the park because they said their mission was to spread the word of God instead of profit. What's crazy, though, is that that ruling prevented Orange County from collecting the back taxes they were owed from the park. So, like, the park was already not paying the taxes they were legally supposed to be paying. And then when this ruling came down, they didn't have to pay those back taxes either. And so they were forgiven at least $300,000 in back taxes, maybe more. And all they had to do to qualify for this is to have a single free admission day each year. And then a couple of years later, Jeb Bush, the then governor of Florida, signed a new bill granting property tax exemption status to any nonprofit that displays biblical manuscripts or stages scenes from the Bible, specifically Christian. Yeah, they had a scriptorium in this place that had these manuscripts that were loaned out from some collection. Yo, I just looked up the Holy Land experience and on TripAdvisor, it's given one star by this one user that says it's a church tax evasion scam. Historically inaccurate Jesus land that sells expensive trinkets. Very offensive. Don't waste your money. They avoid paying property taxes because once a year they let a limited number of people in for free. Big deal. (laughs) Fucking exactly. So... Let's talk about some of the attractions that HLE had to offer. While they still did not have thrill rides, the vibe was definitely more in line with what you would expect from a mainstream theme park. My favorite activity that they had was the Trinity mini golf course. Another Christian mini golf course. Yeah, dude. I mean, Putt-Putt is one of the great evangelical pastimes i used to play putt-putt all the time growing up near gatlinburg that was like one of our go-to things just go play some fucking putt-putt man i do love a good peter pan mini golf here in austin but i will say i think it's just because when you don't drink you need other activities to do so you get really into weird hobbies i drink all the time and i still get into really weird hobbies Mm -hmm. checkmate Look, okay, I made a hypothesis. Clearly, it didn't stand up to tests. This is science. They did recreations of the crucifixion multiple times a day at the park. That was their ongoing main show. You could see the shit getting kicked out of Jesus like 10 times a day if you wanted. 
They had the Jerusalem replica, like everyone, a Gutenberg Bible exhibit. They had a replica of John Bunyan's jail cell. Um, he's the guy who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. They even had an $80,000 animatronic of John Wycliffe. Who is John Wycliffe? He's the old Bible translator, a, a hero of the faith, as they say. And so they needed to pay $80,000 for animatronic of him? Absolutely. He'd get up there and talk about himself and tell people about his life and stuff. It's much cheaper to get someone to, you know act yeah but as we've learned this summer you don't have to worry about animatronics going on strike i doubt that holy land was unionized they did have to have all christian employees and this one pentecostal person got really annoyed that because you're supposed to write down the church home address on the on the forms when you're applying to jobs and they didn't want to let her in because she was pentecostal and they were like we support real denominations or something and it was like this whole thing that's interesting because you know heritage usa was explicitly pentecostal so a bit of a bit of a rivalry there i read one person's review of the park that really cracked me up uh they said when i visited the park a cardboard jesus sat on a motorcycle near the entrance rhinestones covered the virgin mary in the nativity exhibit and just like all other amusement parks around the country people ate turkey legs and took selfies in the baptismal pool god i would have loved to have seen cardboard jesus on a motorcycle before we wrap up we do need to talk briefly about kent hovind and his park Dinosaur Adventureland, originally in Pensacola, Florida, now in Lenox, Alabama. And if you don't know who Kent Hovind is, he's one of the worst people who's ever lived. Have we talked about this before on the show? We talked about him briefly in the Creationism episode when we covered the Creation Museum, another famous evangelical roadside attraction. So go back and listen to that episode if you want to m learn more. But he also came up in the Chick Tract episode because he's the one who's quote unquote research the big daddy chick track is based on but like he's so crazy that even other young earth creationists like ken ham won't have anything to do with him how bad do you have to be for ken ham to distance himself from you like ken ham already like inside the creation museum and noah's ark thing that ken ham has there's literal dinosaurs fighting gladiators and you're telling me that that's fine but he's also spent a fair bit of time in prison for, you'll never guess it, fraud, <laughs> and has been charged several times for all kinds of stuff. Uh, assault, battery, conspiracy. But Dinosaur Adventureland was originally just a small thing that he started in his backyard in 2001. He lived in Pensacola, Florida, in the shadows of Pensacola Christian College, where Abeka Books is housed. And uh, he opened in 2001, but he ran into legal troubles straight away because he refused to get a building permit. You don't need permits when you're serving the Lord. And that was his literal argument in court. But <laughs> the county ended up seizing the property a couple years later and selling it off uh, to satisfy all the money that he owed them. And in 2009, Dinosaur Adventure Land closed down. But it reopened in 2016 when he got a 140-acre donation from some idiot, and it's still open to this day. Like, we could go to Dinosaur Adventureland. 
we could go to Dinosaur Adventureland. Yes, it's one of the few evangelical attractions still open. Just this one and the Creation Museum, uh, as far as I know. The whole building permit situation in 2002 is so crazy, though, dude. The county was like, hey, you didn't get a building permit. You need one. He wouldn't do it. They made him close the building. A couple years later, they seized the property, sell it all off. He loses everything. Guess how much the original building permit would have cost him? Like $300. $50. He could have just gone down to the courthouse and picked it up any old time, but he absolutely would not do it. And he ended up spending over $40,000 on his lawyer alone trying to fight it. Yeah, but you gotta think about it, Clint. It's the principle of the thing. We don't pay taxes when we're Christians. Even though Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Well, he said that he's not liable for taxes and his ministry doesn't have to render unto Caesar because his workers are missionaries and not employees. That is a direct quote from the court documents. And... While the building permit thing was an ordeal, he was simultaneously being investigated for tax fraud. But as you can probably guess, his whole non-liability argument did not hold up in court. So he was tried, convicted, and sentenced to 10 years in prison, which he served almost all of before he got out and immediately opened a new dinosaur adventure park. learn at all he didn't care he was like in prison just like oh man this bronchiosaurus is gonna make the best crucifix ride (laughs) he didn't learn a goddamn thing and oh okay here's the here's the most hilarious twist though he became kind of well known in pensacola before dinosaur adventureland for being this staunch anti-tax evangelical right this is like in the 90s early 2000s he would speak about it at churches all kinds of shit but guess who first reported him to the IRS on suspicion of tax fraud. Who? Becca Horton. Wait, wait, like a Becca, the person who wrote all of the Christian textbooks? Wow, amazing, truly. Coming back around. Really, really, I could not believe it either. She was like, this is against God. Meanwhile, me brainwashing all the children. That's fine. Well, that's technically illegal. Yeah, brainwashing isn't illegal. Anyway, continue. But it's just, it's its insane. The, the nexus of so many of his legal troubles grew out of a $50 building permit he could have picked up in an afternoon. And he didn't care. And he never paid it. Well, he paid it. One way or the other, he paid it. Paid $40,000 to not pay it. I mean, that was just legal fees. That's not even counting the loss of property and the time wasted. Where did he get his money in the first place? I mean, he's never really had that much money to speak of. The first Dinosaur Adventureland was just a pet project in his backyard. Then he lost all that, went to jail, got out, was gifted land for a new park. But the new one's much bigger and has investors. It's on 140 acres. It runs as a 501c3. So presumably he's doing better now than ever. Oh, so a nonprofit. Like the others we've talked about, this park does not really have rides, but there are games and activities. All of them have a biblical message that you have to learn with the game, though. So there's a Jumposaurus where... It's a trampoline next to a basketball hoop, and kids have one minute to make as many baskets as they can while they jump on the trampoline, and the message is that you have to be coordinated to do more for Jesus. 
uh, like you gotta co- coordinate your efforts to like work in mission. I, I, that's so much of a stretch. I'd rather them just sell Goliath burgers and be done with it. There's also a flyosaurus, which is a big four seat swing. And to bring science back into the equation, it tries to link Newton's third law of you know equal and opposite reactions to the biblical teaching that man reaps what he sows. So, you know, you fling a saurus up this way, you're going to flop a saurus back the other way. How do the dinosaurs factor into the Jesus bit of this? And how does it become Jesus-y? It's not a biblical recreation of Jerusalem. Like, what? Yeah, but it's it's young earth creationism, which is an explicitly conservative evangelical belief. It can't be separated from Jesus in some ways, even though it doesn't actually have anything to do with Jesus, but it's just all about selling this fantasy to kids that young earth creationism really happened. This was like a precursor to the creation museum, but it wasn't a precursor because the creation museum has been around longer. No, this one is older. The creation museum opened in 2007. The original Dinosaur Adventureland opened in 2001. It's hard to describe how shitty this place is though. Like you mentioned the Peter Pan golf in Austin earlier, and it's, it's like that. It's like an old-time putt-putt golf place that's just full of weathered plaster statues. And then he's got some shitty dinosaur museum full of fake science and, like, I, I don't know, a scrambler or something, some bumper cars. It's really almost quaint and just dumb as hell. But the saga of Kit Hovind is truly amazing, and it has not ended. In 2020, a seven-year-old boy drowned at Dinosaur Adventureland, and then come to find out Dinosaur Adventureland does not even carry insurance. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Rewind. March 15th, 2020? Yes. So the rest of the country had shut down already. And I know this because I went to Vegas. Yeah, right, yeah. March 14th is when most places closed down. But yeah, he was he was still going, of course. And a seven-year-old drowned. And the park does not have liability insurance. Why? Because he he doesn't, he didn't buy building permits, doesn't buy liability insurance. He just doesn't believe in it, okay? He's not going to do it. And then recently, one of Covine's good friends, Christopher Link John, was he's like this fellow conspiracy theorist and they've done a lot of work together and stuff. He was arrested for the sexual assault of a nine-year-old and he's been previously convicted on three charges of lewd acts with children. And uh, he was accused of sexually harassing people at the park while also abusing drugs, stealing money, and at one point killing a dog. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, what the fuck is going on down there at Dinosaur Adventureland? But Kent just keeps apologizing for him, saying that he's, he says that he's being persecuted for his beliefs and that he's, he's not actually a multiple convicted sexual predator. Uh, but yeah, the, the legal problems just do not stop. It's almost impressive how much trouble he's managed to get into through the years. Like, it's just train wreck after train wreck after train wreck. I'll just, I'll never get over this $50 building permit thing. $50 spends $40,000 in legal expenses to not pay $50. Can you imagine? Like, I, I don't even know how I would feel. Like, how do you look back at your life? How do you look at yourself? How do you sleep at night? How do you sleep in prison at night? <laughs> I 
Oh my god, can you imagine just being in prison? Like, what are you in for? What are you in for? Like, severe murder. What are you in for? I didn't want to pay $50 for a building permit for my Christian creationism theme park. But the lesson I'm taking away from this is that if you want a successful Christian theme park that's still going to be open today, put dinosaurs in it. Put dinosaurs in it. And don't embezzle all the money from it. Or do. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that part matters. I think the reality is that people don't want to see recreations of the Bible. They want to see the fantasy of people in biblical times living alongside dinosaurs, okay? That's what they really want to see. The Bible is boring, but you know what's exciting? Velociraptors. <laughs> Okay, a couple small bits here as we're wrapping up. The thing that kept coming up for me when I was reading about all of these parks is that aside from the dino parks, a core draw of these attractions is replicating Middle Eastern locations for people who are completely unwilling to actually go to the Middle East. That was one of the things that the Jewish League had against the Holy Land experience was like, why are you trying to get Christians to come to Orlando? Just get them to go to Jerusalem and make an actual religious pilgrimage instead of this. They tried to make these simulacrums pilgrimage sites in themselves though like the bakers described their upper room replica as a pilgrimage site as if it's just as valid as the original and they also had like a temple wall replica in the holy land experience where people would put their prayers into the bricks and then once a week they would get someone to fly out to Jerusalem and put all of the prayers into the real wall evangelicals are obsessed with just straight up stealing the iconography, and even physical locations of Judaism. Like, they want to transplant the Holy Land to America. Or in the case of Hobby Lobby, steal artifacts and bring them to America. I forgot about the Hobby Lobby smuggling case. Yeah, they stole all those artifacts. It was quite the scandal for which there were seemingly no repercussions. But thankfully, I do not see Christian theme parks making a comeback anytime soon. I think they're pretty much done for, at least for the foreseeable future. Millennials are kind of over that shit, don't want to expose their kids to it. I really appreciate this generation. Well, I think one big downside to the Christian theme parks, the places like Disney don't have to worry about, is that Christian parks can't actually make anything new. There's no new stories or characters. Like They're locked into what they can portray. But if they did a VeggieTales version, they could like have a Larry Boy area. They could have like... But I think that's why the, the dinosaur concept has been so much more successful because there's no rules when you go that direction. It's all made up anyway. Right, exactly. You can just make up whatever you want. All right, let's close it out. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on our cross-country Christian theme park road trip. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode about... Christian furries? Oh, God, I forgot. Who knew it was a thing? Thanks for listening. We have a Patreon. We sell merch on howgaytheart.com. You can also leave us hate mail or send us a voice message or just a random message of love. You know, whatever your heart leads you to. Tell us your best ideas for Christian theme park rides. We are on all social media, of course, at howgaythoutart. I'm Jay Austin. They, them. I'm Clint Keller. He, him. And this is how gay thou art. <laughs> Maybe the mousetrap ride is 
like a Garden of Eden one, and you're trying to like run away from God when you when you eat the apple, and that's the first drop or something. You know what Noah's Ark should be is one of those ship rides, the big swinging ships. Absolutely, like a yeah. The Jacob's Ladder, you could have like angels as like the ride. The Four Horsemen Carousel. Okay, so the Lazy River is walking around Jericho. A drop tower of Babel? They just didn't dream big enough. They were too literal. That's the problem. These fucking evangelicals, they're too literal. You gotta think outside the box a little bit, man. 